This morning we're going to turn our attention to the letter of John, the first letter of John. Who enjoyed the teachings on Job? Yes, we can learn so much more out of Job. I can preach for the rest of the year out of the book of Job. There are so many lessons. But uh, I want to turn this morning to this wonderful letter that John wrote. Now, who could remember what is the three ways that God revealed Himself to mankind? We touched on it last week. The three kinds. God reveals Himself. Yes. General revelation. Yeah, general revelation. That's what's happening in the world out there, isn't it? God reveals Himself in nature. You can see in nature and you think. There's got to be an intelligent designer behind everything that you see, touch and feel out there. So uh, that's what we learn about it. We also learn out of general revelation that God is powerful. Who knows that God is powerful? You can't go up against God and win. Forget it. You're already lost. Then, like Andre said, there's the word. What do we call that? Special revelation. God reveals Himself through general revelation, and all the world will see God, although they reject God, but they can't deny God. One day they will have to bow their knee and accept that He is Lord. They will have to shout out and say, There is a God. Stephen Hawking will be the first one standing in line to tell you this morning. There is a God. And he's alive. Then there's the special revelation. We find it in the Word of God. He came to Moses on the mountain and he spoke to him. So many times in the Word of God, he speaks to people. And where is the special revelation today? Come on, you tell me. It is in his Word. You open up the Scriptures, you've got the mind of Christ here. The mind of God. You want to know what God thinks, what He feels, what He says. It's all in here. Special revelation. Now what do we learn by that? The character of God. The character of God. Who God is. As we turn in a new study that we're going to start today, we turn to the Scriptures to find out more about God. We're going to learn more about God going through the letters that John wrote. This is what we're starting today. We're going to see uh, the tests of reality in the Christian's life. This is part one. We turn to the special revelation of God. And we seek to find out more about God. But then, what is the biggest of all of the revelations? Personal relationship. Personal relationship. You can have general revelation. You can have special revelation. There's so many people who can quote scripture after scripture after scripture. We look at them and say, Whoa, they are so clever in the word. But friend, if they haven't moved to a personal relationship, it means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Personal relationship is where you hear the special revelationship, the word of God, and the Holy Spirit convict you. And then what happens? You react on that conviction. You come to the cross. You bow your knee. You confess your sin. You see yourself through God's eyes. And you see how rotten you are in yourself. But you see, the world don't want to hear this. The, the, the world don't want to hear sin preaching in church. 
the churches who's going to preach what I preach today will be small. Because people don't want to hear it. Because there's nothing wrong with man. Is there? No, friends. We need to understand the conviction of the Holy Spirit. My prayer as we're going to start on this new study, going through verse by verse through this letter, is that you and I both will be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Do you think that's a good idea? Well, it's not a good idea. That's just facts. That's how the Word of God works. Otherwise, let me be honest. You know me as an honest person. Am I an honest person about this, Philip? I'm going to say it as it is. If, if you are not here and say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit convict me and change me into the image of, his, of your Son, then you are wasting your time. Whoa, did he just say that? Yes, I did. Then it was better for you to stay in bed this morning and be dry and warm. But friends, if you come here and you say, Lord, open up my, my heart to your word, to your Holy Spirit, you know what's going to happen? He is going to change you. And if you are changed, listen to this now, you might find that the world is changed. Have you heard what I said? So many people wait for the world to change, and then their attitudes will change. No, no. If you are changed, you will find, whoa, it's totally a different world. Maybe the change needed to start with you first. That's amazing. So we want to look today at uh, the first part in the book of John. John is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. It was not John the Baptist, by the way. It was the Apostle John who followed Jesus. He was a fisherman. And Jesus said to him one day, follow me. And he did. And now, after he wrote the Gospel and he pastored a few churches around, he writes this letter back to them. This is an important letter for us here today in Karam Down. This is important for you and for me to understand what he, this pastor, this apostle, is writing back to the people and to warn them about. Today, we're going to learn more about the word of life. The word of life. So there's three main theological things that's coming out of this letter. Three big things. Big ticket items, if you want to call it that. First of all, we're going to see that God is light. Who knows that? God is light. That is what he's going to write to them about. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, And this is the message which we have heard from him and declare it unto you. What is that message, John? He says that God is light. Whose message is it? Come on, you can read the words. Whose message is it? It's God's message. It's God's message to you and to me. And what is the message? God is light. It is just straightforward. The world is dark, sin is dark, but God is light. And light brings visual, uh, visual understanding in darkness. And he says it there, and in him is no darkness at all. There's a few things we understand about light. First of all, light, by definition, has no darkness in it at all. By definition. You know what light is? Light is not the absence of darkness. Listen to me carefully. But darkness is the absence of light. You have to understand this. When we say that God is light... You need to understand that there is no darkness, John is trying to tell us. 
And this is so important for you and for me as a child of God to understand this. We look at people in the world and we hold them onto pedestals. And we lift them up with our words and we say, how great is that person? We look at people in churches and we say, wow, what an example to society. He's a godly man. She's a godly woman. But I'll tell you, there is some time that that man or that woman is going to disappoint you. Am I right? I know I'm right. Why? Because, dear friends, because of your great, 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 great grandfather, Adam and Eve, our grandmother, that darkness came into humanity through sin that came in. There is depravity in us. That's why we needed a Savior. But here John comes out and he says, this is a critical thing for you as a child of God to understand. And that is that God is light. There is no darkness. Darkness is absent. It's gone. If I close all of the windows in this or you come at night, what will you find? Darkness. Why is it dark at night? Because there's no sun. There's no sun up in the sky. If the sun goes and it drops down beyond the horizon, what happens? Darkness comes. Friend, let it be known today that if you, dis- if you take God out of your Christian life, there's only darkness. If you take God out of your life, there's only darkness. If you go take God out of your family, there's only darkness. If you take God out of your marriage, there's only darkness. If you take God out of your workplace, there's only darkness. If you take God out of the schools, there's only darkness. If you take God out of the government, there's only darkness. If you take God out of Australia, there is only darkness. This is what John is saying. We need to understand it like that. It is important for us to know that God is light. And I'm going to challenge you at the end of this message to go this week and to challenge yourself to think about this every day. You see, the natural agent that stimulates, this is a definition that I found. I looked at this up. Definition for light. It is a natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. I don't have to ask you if you know this, because you do know this. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you want to walk into your kitchen, what do you do? And it's pitch dark, what do you do? You turn the light on. If you don't, you're going to walk around and you bump your your leg and your knee. You go, ah! And you know who's going to wake up the whole house. No, light comes in to bring visibility. I can testify about you that when I was a young man, I didn't have God in my life, it was darkness. It's only when His light shone into my life that I understand that I wasn't so good as I thought. And this is the true effect of this. Now, uh, he says God is light. John is saying to us in this, and we're going to learn this in the next few weeks and months to come, that we need to walk in the light to have fellowship with Him. That's His message. You and I, brother and sister, how much I love you, how much I care for you, need to understand this, that we need to walk in the light to be able to have fellowship with Him. Why? Why, why would that statement just sit out there? Why don't, we don't, why don't we challenge that statement? Let's challenge it. Is God light? He says it right up there. God is light. Is there darkness in Him? No, there's no darkness in Him. 
So if we have darkness in ourselves, can we walk in fellowship? No. No, friends. We need to walk in this light to have fellowship with Him. Not only that, John is saying, he's only, also saying, only when we walk in the light that we will continually confess our sins. Oh, we heard it last week. You remember when Jesus was in the upper room and He washed the disciples' feet? And Peter says, are you going to wash my feet, Lord? And what did the Lord say? If I don't wash you, you've got no place in me. We are washed by the blood of the Lamb. He washed the darkness out of your lives. And then he says, you're already washed, Peter, but you only need to wash your feet. And we press towards this that we continually confess. Friends, I confess this morning. I say, Lord, you know, do you know there's a sin of omission as well? Things you ought to do and you don't do them. Can you still do that as a child of God? Of course you can. I'm not going to hold before you a sinless perfection. Our only sinless perfection is in the blood of Christ. And we continually need to bathe ourselves in His blood. And here it is. We confess continually. But you see, there's two things that challenge the light of God. And this is what we're going to learn in this study continuing in the next few weeks. First of all, is falling in love with the world. Oh, that big old world, isn't it? And it's so bright. And it's so littered up. And it's so calling our young people into it. Hollywood is doing it every time. They preach their messages everywhere they go. They're allowed to preach it from every corner. Are we allowed to preach the gospel these days from corners? No, they'll shut us up. Away with Christ! Away with your preaching! But Hollywood can go out there. And they can preach it, man. And, and our young people, they flock to their theaters by their thousands and they preach their gospel to them. Not only them, it's through the music, through everything. It's the love of the world. The love of the world will surely hook you and pull you away from the light of God. Do you know that all of the filthy things are done in the light? No. Where's the filthy things done? In the darkness. In the darkness. The second thing, the second challenge to the light is falling for the lies of false teachers. They want to bring you into the gray light. Come and stand in the shade. It sounds right, but it's not. Have you noticed what he says up there again? He says, in him there is no darkness at all. If, if he didn't say that, we could say, let's just put in 5% of darkness. Will you have pure light if I put 5% darkness in? What will you have? You will have a shade of gray. That's what you will have. You see, these false teachers that we're going to hear about lots in this, these false teachers, they bring in just a little bit of darkness. They just change the message a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> 50 shades? <laughs> I think it is more than that. But here you go. Here you go, friends, that they will bring it in and it will corrupt. You know what corruption is? You know what corruption is? If you've got 100% and you put 0.1% of corruption in 100%, have you still got 100%? You don't have to put 50% in, brother. You just put 0.01% in. And it will mess it up. This is the true message that's going to come out of this letter. Secondly, 
Secondly, listen to this one. I love this. We're going to hear that God is love. Now, have you noticed this? It doesn't say that God tried to be light. It is a statement. It's a positive statement. And here it says, God is what? God is love. Somebody wants to say, what's the definition for love? The definition for love is God. You don't have to say anything else. You just say, if somebody say, what is love? You say, God is love. There is your definition. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, he says, And we have known and believed the love that God has in us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Oh, that is a profound statement, isn't it? That is so powerful statement there. Love is to benefit others at the expense of self. Think about that. What is our most favorite Christian Bible verse that everybody knows? John 3.16. Everybody knows it, yes? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So? That no one will perish but all should be saved. Is that right? So here we go. Apply the definition. Love is to benefit others. God loved the world. And He gave His Son to benefit who? Us. Us. What is the opposite of love? Lust. Lust. What is lust? It is to benefit self at the expense of others. You see that a lot in the world. If you go out in the world and you get the self-help books of the world, they go, become the better you you can be at the expense of others. This is why our message is so different from the message of the world. And here we're going to talk about it in the next months to come. I'm so excited. What, what more than to talk about God that is light? What more to talk about God that is love? You see the word there that he uses for this, the word that he used for love. In English, we've only got one word for love. But the Greeks have got more words for love. There is the word eros. The word eros is what the world loves. That's erotic love. You see it on all of your billboards. They will undress a girl and put it on a billboard. What is that? That is erotic love. But let me tell you this morning, dear friend, erotic love only lasts for a short while. Yes, God made erotic love, but it's, it's befitting in the marriage. And that's where it's safe. And then there's filio love. Filio is more a brotherly love, a commitment love. I'm so committed to you. And I love you, everybody here, with a filio love. I'm committed to come here every Sunday and to preach the Word of God. I'm more committed to God than you. You say, what? Did you just say that? Yes, you know me. I'm going to be true to you. I am so committed to God that I will preach the sermon even if there's one person sitting here. That's how committed I am. You see, and you thought I'm into it for the numbers? No, he doesn't care me. I will preach the Word of God because I'm committed to Him. I fill you, God. This is the same that he asked Peter. He says, Peter, Peter, do you love me? You remember that passage? What did Peter say? He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. What word did Peter use? He says, I fill you, Lord. I'm so committed to you. Friends, God wants you to go further than committed to Him. He wants you to go to the agape love. That's the word that's used there. You know what agape love is? It is a sacrificial love. 
That means that I will give myself up for this cause. I will die so that you may live. Oh, now we're talking about a deeper love. A deeper love. What if I come to you? What if I knock on your door tonight, 12 o'clock, and say, wow, the bloodhounds, they're, they're chasing me down. They're going to kill me. These people, I owe them a lot of money. Will you please take my place and die for me tonight? Oh, that's a different question, isn't it? Those bloodhounds are there. You can hear them howling. Oh, John, John, we're coming for you. We're going to kill you. Can you hear them yell? They're coming for me. They're gunning for me. And I come to you and I say, please, Philip, man, tonight's the night. Will you take my place? Will you die? If I push you forward and say, Philip said he will die for me so that I may live. That's a big question, isn't it? But this is the reality, friends. Those bloodhounds, which is called sin, is chasing each and every one in this room. Can you hear it? It says, come here. You've done this thing. You've sinned. Now you need to die. And it's chopping you at the heels. It is catching up with you. And friends, you and I, you and I were running to the door of Jesus Christ. And we're knocking on the door and say, Jesus, will you die? Will you take my place? And you know what he said? He said, sure I will. Wow. You know what, and that's too big for me even to preach. What I just said. That a man will come and he will show the absolute sacrificial love. God is love and take my place. And when those bloodhounds came, oh, I can just imagine it. They were chopping so at me and he stood up there and he says, forget about him. I'm paying his debt. Take this body. And we take the bread. Take this blood. And I wash you clean. You will find over the next few weeks and months that these words goes way deeper than just words on a paper. We're talking about a living God here. A God who's alive. A God who's love. And He loves you and me so much that He gave us everything. John is saying, we must walk in love. You're going to hear that. Did you know that love is not an emotion? Oh, the world says it's an emotion. Did you know that hate is not an emotion? It is choices you make. Love is a choice. This is why when people come to us for marriage counseling and you talk to the husband and he just say, you know what, I just fell out of love. I, you know, we just grew away from it. I just fell out of love. And I say to him, you know what I'm going to tell you now? You just didn't fall out of love. You chose not to love anymore. It's a decision that you made. It's your choice. You say, how can you prove this? Because love is a commandment from God. It's a command. How can God command us to do something if it's an emotion? If I have to sit there and wait for it to come over me. Just wait a minute, honey. I'm just going to sit here and wait for that love to come over me. It's hanging there. It's going to come in. I can feel I'm starting to get the shivers. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Whoa, there's the love. 
It is a choice. Love is a choice. You choose to love somebody or not. If you don't walk in love, He's going to say to us, then we don't know God. Wow, that's a big statement He's making, isn't it? If we don't love, we don't know God. How can He say that? Come on, I want to challenge you. Because God is love. And if we do not operate in love, how can we claim that we know God? Oh, this is going to challenge. Listen, let me tell you. This is going to challenge the core of your Christian walk with God. Didn't I say this is a series on the test of Christianity, isn't it? We're going to test ourselves. The Word of God is going to test us. He's also saying love is an action and not just words. And love is giving and just not receiving. So what is the challenges against love? Selfishness. Isn't it right? It's about me, myself, and I. It's the definition of love all uh, lust all over again. It is to satisfy self at the expense of others. You know, my mother, I could always remember, we were nine children, nine children in the house, big family. Uh, we were three sons and six daughters. Now, we were taught manners when we sat down. The girls get food first. I was very naughty, and I must admit and I've repented for what I'm going to say now. Because I always had to sit there and wait for the bread to go. Six sisters sitting there as a boy. You know what I did? When mom and dad wasn't there, I walk up to the top slice of bread and I go. <laughs> Put it on top. Look my sisters in the eyes. And I sit down. Because <laughs> my dad said, you take from the top. <laughs> I was a clever boy. You haven't given, you know. <laughs> so what happened is my sisters would sit down and we sit down and I am waiting and all my sisters, they, mom, dad, now you can have first. <laughs> what a lovely family. What a lovely sisters I had. You see, friends, selfishness. I wasn't the loving brother there, was I? I was the selfish brother. I had to serve myself. I had to look that I get first. before. I, and look, friends, let me tell you, this thing, selfishness, it's sitting on us like a bad smell. On all of us. On all of us. And I find myself consistently have to push it away. And say, Lord, help me. Help me to operate in love and not in selfishness. Last week I testified about what I did at that gate. Yes, on the, on the, that is selfishness. It sits like a bad smell. And you know what's going to take that smell away? No, it's not gum. It's not spray. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is love. God is love. I want to walk this week and whenever I come into a position of selfishness and I start smelling that dirty old dumpy smell of selfishness, I want to remind myself that God is love and we must walk in love, otherwise we do not know God. You see how you practically apply the Word of God to your life. I hurry on. Not only are we going to see, and not only is this the massive the theological point that he makes, but he also says that God is life. Woo, you want to talk about life. God is life. This is not life. This old body is not life. God is life. And let me tell you today, if you haven't come to the life giver, 
you've never experienced life. He gives you two lives. Have you noticed? He gives you two lives. The first life when you were born, He gave you breath of life. And here we said, is everybody still awake? Is everybody still alive? Just test this quickly. Put your hand in front of you. Everybody, quickly, put it there. Come on, come on. Come on, everyone. I'm not going to continue if you don't do it. Blow. If you feel nothing on your hand, there's a problem. And we're in the right place. <laughs> Man, I like to preach in this place. Woo! <laughs> we bring life in here. Hey, we are the good news every week. I don't know how many funerals happened here this week. I don't know. I don't care. But hey man, we bring life into this place. We sing songs of life. And how can I say we bring life into this place? Man, is God in you? If God is in you, God is life. We bring Him in. We're alive. But the second life He gives to you is more important. It's more important. Many people are just looking after this one. But you know what God is looking at? He's looking at that life there. Eternal life. That's the second life. If you get two lives, you will only die once. Get that one. Get that one. If you get those two lives, you will only die once. It's this old body will go back to the grave. But you will live on. But friends, if you only get the one life, this life, this one, you know what's going to happen? You're going to die twice. You're going to die twice. Think about that. And we're going to work that out. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, he writes, he says, And we know that the Son of God has come. Praise the Lord. Everybody can shout, Hallelujah! The Son of God has come. He says, we know this. And He has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him that is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to this now. This is the true God and the everlasting life. The true God. Everybody's looking for the true God out there. Everybody's looking for Him. The Hindus is looking for Him. The Hare Krishna. They are looking for Him. Islam is looking for Him. It's not Allah. It's not Akbar Allah. He's not the true God. It's Elohim. It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The true God in Him is everlasting. God is light, He is saying. And our spiritual life begins with a spiritual birth. None other. None other. You can go to every single course and give it beautiful names. You can go through the course and they can tick the book. They give you a certificate and go, here's your diploma. You finish the course on spiritual living. You can do the next course. You can get a degree if you want to. It doesn't impress me. If you haven't got the spiritual birth, my friend, you haven't seen the life. You haven't got it. This birth begins through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he gives us the key verse. Now, to understand the letter of John, this is the key verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. No doubt, absolutely 100% clear who it is. That you may know. What does that mean? It means you know. 
You know that you know. He says that you may know that you have everlasting life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, the thing is, dear friends, if we know this, we know that we belong to God. Is that right? And you know what the world is looking out for? They're looking for a sense of belonging. That's what the problem in the world is. You get people who messes their body up and they, they become funny. All they are looking is for a sense of belonging. There was the story of this A student that I've read up about. This boy was very clever in university. And he hit A plus grades. And his grandmother died. She passed away. And he went to a funeral. And he came back to the university. And all of a sudden his grades just started falling. And the professor thought, look, maybe he was so close to his grandmother that he will get over it. You know, as time will go on, he will recover and he will continue and he will get back to become an A-plus great student. But it never happened. His grades kept on falling down and down and down. And then eventually he called him in. He said, maybe it's a good idea I speak to the guy. He got him in and he sat him down. He said, what happened? It was only from the funeral. And this is what the boy said. He said when he went home and they had the funeral, he found his grandmother's Bible, the family Bible. He opened it up and at the back he saw, written in there, that he was only an adopted son. He was never one of the sons. And he never knew. And he lost his sense of belonging. He says, I don't know who I belong to. It impacted him so much. A plus student to just drop away. Friends, this world is looking for a sense of belonging. And here I give you one sense of belonging. You, you know what I want to say to that boy? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I say it so often to people who say, I've had a bad father. I've had a bad mother. You've never, you haven't grown up under my father. And you're right, I haven't. You never know what you know, fights we had and how we disagreed and how I hate him today. I say you are right. That's why I give you the heavenly father. The one who will never walk away from you. And that is where you find a sense of belonging. Look at this. He says that you may know that you have everlasting life. Let's just finish with the next few verses. <coughs> he says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 now he's going to talk to us about this he says that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life the word of life if it's in your Bible underline it cry out and say Father show me the word of life the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested in us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare that to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. The world is looking for belonging. But the world is also looking for joy. Have you noticed how people are looking for joy? And you know what I've seen? People will throw a lot of money. They will throw a lot of time and attention to get joy. Because if they find the belonging, they will get joy. 
And now we see that they find some people find a belonging in gangs. And that gives them joy. But my message to them this morning will be, it's only a short-lasting joy. It's only a short-lasting belonging. If you come to Him, if you come this morning to the light, if you come to the love, you will find life. That's the message. How wonderful messages are John's writing to us. I want to challenge you this week. I want you to go away and think about what we've heard today. In this week, I want you to at least sit down and talk to God and say, Father, I thank you this morning or this evening or this afternoon that you are light. No, no, put it in, in the Word. Learn the Word properly. Say, God is light. Father, show me your light. Because if I stand in your light... I will see the darkness inside of me. Then, Father, help me to let your light shine through this so that it can enlighten everything. Will you do that? I want you this week to go away and to think about this. God is love. God is love. And then in all of your relationship that you're going to do this week, in your work environment with that you're going to go, with anybody that you talk to, even if you're frustrated, if you get to the point of frustration, I pray, I ask you, and I ask God through the Holy Spirit to convict you, to think about this. God is love. How would He operate in that situation? Will He give love or will He give a hard word? Oh, we will find that sometimes giving a hard word is love. No, no, Jesus Christ wasn't a softy, witty, witty. No, no, he was a strong man. He said no with authority, but in love. I'm not saying that you've got to be a yes brother all the time. No, say no with love. But think about God is love. Then finally this week, if you are living this life that he gave each one of us, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you breathe, say thank you to God for that life. Say, Father, I thank you that I still can breathe. Do you know that there's people sitting in old age homes today, in hospitals, who, who suffer to breathe one good quality breath of air into their lungs? Do you know that? And here we sit. Here we sit. We're alive. We breathe. We've got no pain when we are breathing. There are people who are struggling and hanging on to life. When you and I wake up tomorrow morning, will you do this? Not for me. Not for me. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for you. Do it for the gratefulness to God to stand up and say, Father, I thank you for life. But friend, when you say that, I don't just want you to thank Him for this life. Say, Father, I thank you for that eternal life. Listen to me. Listen to me. Test me this week. Test me. If you do this, if you think about these three things, He will change your everyday life. You will come in here next week with a hip and a scop, a hip and a jump. That I I was just coming. You will walk in here and say, "Man, it's so great. God is good." Oh, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. You say, "What if there's trouble sometimes that's going to come to me this week?" Let me tell you, my friend. If you hold on to these three. The essence of God, the character of God, He will take you through your problems. He will. He will. He's not going to take you around them. He's not going to take you over them. 
I hear so many times people pray, Oh Lord, take this mountain away. Oh Lord, take these problems and troubles away. I never hear them pray. Lord, take me through this. Oh, we've got a song, Through it all. He takes me through it all. You see, the difference is if you go around the mountain and over the mountain, we can fly in an airplane, but if we go through the mountain, that's how we learn character. That's how we learn when it hurts, how to apply God's love and how to apply God's faith. Will you do that this week? Now, next week, we're going to continue in the second part. We're going to look at this word of life. And we're going to see that this life has been revealed, it's been experienced, and it's shared. And there comes a challenge to us next week. So every week, let the Word of God challenge us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for Your love. We thank You, Father, that You are light. And we thank You this morning, Lord, that You are life. 